Welcome to the Sterling Foursquare Church Podcast. Our mission is to offer hope for the broken, lives that are thriving, the equipping of believers, and the launching of leaders. More info can be found at sterlingfoursquare.com. Thank you for joining us today. We're going to be starting a new sermon series this morning entitled Sent, Here, There, and Everywhere. And that's going to make a little bit more sense uh, as we begin and as we move our way uh, through this morning. Towards the end of our service, I'm going to be joined up on the communicating platform by our team of uh, uh, Thailand missionaries, in a sense. We've got a missions team that's going to be leaving tomorrow, heading to Thailand. We've gotten a chance to host a number of our missionaries this summer. We're going to be connecting with them over there and reestablishing our missions work in Thailand. So we'll be praying over that team, presenting them, and inviting you to be a part of praying over that as well. And so that's going to be part of this morning just to orient us to uh, all the pieces that are going on. But we are going to launch into a a new sermon series entitled Sent Here, There, and Everywhere. And just as a reminder, uh, our our last sermon series that we just spent the the last several weeks in was a series that was entitled Called Out. Called Out. And that language came from Jesus' use of the word ecclesia to describe what it means to be part of his community and that uh, he was going to build his ecclesia. In your Bible, it's translated as the word church. That's where we get that. But that word primarily means to be a called out community. And so as Jesus uh, uh, speaks about who and what the church is supposed to be, he's describing what it means for us to be called out as a community of Christ followers and how we're supposed to be that, and then how we're supposed to do that in the world. And primarily we were talking about being called out, and now we're going to shift our attention to the fact that Jesus is now sending us out as well. And in fact, what we're going to see in Scripture is there's this tension uh, throughout Scripture of both being called and sent, of coming to Jesus and then going and doing. And you see this um, really uh, throughout Scripture. And I don't know if you remember, um, some of you are, are younger than I am, so this will be a, a more uh, uh, recent memory, but do you, do you remember getting your driver's license? Right? Can, can, you, can you think back to, that, uh, back to that time? When I think about getting my driver's license, one of the first things that I think about is uh, a, a specifically um, volatile exchange between myself and my mom just about like halfway down the block. I mean, we didn't get very far, and we were just trying to get my hours in, right? I wasn't, I wasn't even a, a licensed driver yet. I had my permit. I was just trying to get my hours in got about halfway down the block, and she was like, ooh, 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 like, like grabbing the I'm gonna die bar up here. She's stomping on the ground, and I've had, I had already put hours in. This wasn't like our first time in the car, and I remember like we just were so frustrated that the way that we solved that problem is we decided that dad was gonna do all the permit hours with me uh, in, instead, and we, and we kind of made that switch, and I, I always had thought it was kind of unfair and a little bit overly dramatic that she had responded that way, but then I was also reminded that it was she that was in a little ZX2 that I had borrowed from a friend to do permit hours that I hydroplaned through an intersection and up a curb, so maybe some of her criticism and sense of uh, 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 apprehension was, was fair. But eventually, 
through uh, my dad's patience and probably Jesus's grace in my life, I did, uh, I got my license and I was a licensed driver. And at that point, okay, I wasn't proficient, right? The bar is really low for a licensed driver, right? I mean, they, they're just like, okay, you can probably, you're probably not going to do anything too bad. Like it was, I was not proficient. I was not great, but I was licensed. And as soon as I got that license, I began to run errands. Do you guys remember that? You guys remember when you, when you first got your license and it was like there was freedom and you could kind of flex and do what you wanted. And it was like, all of a sudden it was like, I was ready to just go at any and every opportunity. And a lot of my early errands, right? They were for me. So I started driving myself to school. I started driving myself to sports practices. I started driving myself to youth group. It was like, it was me and my freedom and I could go and I could do. And then there was a community component to it, right? As I began to be like the shuttle for all of my friends, right? My little brother and all my friends, they would pile into our 1979 Chevy Malibu classic station wagon, right? There was the, I was popular because I had seats, not because my car was that great, but we would all pile into that and we would go rumbling off down the road and we would do all of those activities together as well. And then there was a fair number of errands and activities that I would go on because my mom would ask, right? Immediately as a licensed driver, I was enthusiastic and I was ready to go. So if it was like, oh man, could you run to the store? And it didn't even matter what she said after that point. I was already, I'll go, I'll go, I'll go. I'm ready to go to the store. Uh, we know that that's short-lived, right? There's a tipping point. We were like, why don't you just go to the store yourself? Don't say that to your mom, but you feel that way. <laughs> but early on in the kind of the immediacy of getting my license, man, I was I was excited, I was enthusiastic, and I was, boom, I was sent, I was going, I was doing. And I use that as an illustration because, again, we've spent a lot of time talking about being called to Jesus, uh, being called into community. In fact, one of Jesus' favorite invitations to people is to come and follow me. It's, it's over and over in the scripture narratives of Jesus' invitation to come and to follow him. But equally he was sending people he sent them to go and a lot of times we feel like there's this i come to jesus and then i just kind of hang out there for a long amount of time and then maybe someday he'll send me to do something maybe someday i'll have something to offer maybe someday i'll be at that point where where i can go and i can do but what you see in scripture is less of like this long drawn out process to somehow get to a place of proficiency before you get invited to be a part of the things that God's doing in a much lower bar that as you respond to his invitation with yes, there is now an invitation and really an exclamation for you to go and we need as, as equal and as weighted a yes is in that as well. You and I are called in Christ, but we're also sent. And each of us has been sent into the world to participate with him in bringing about his kingdom. And for many of us, that thought, just that thought, uh, that, that premise on its own is, um, uh, it's a little bit intimidating. Because again, we know how far we have to go. We know the places we may, where maybe we've grown and maybe we've ch uh, changed or we've been transformed by Jesus, but we're also more aware than anyone the places of gap and the places of need for us to continue 
to move in that direction. And so there's this sense oftentimes of us being uh, intimidated by that and hesitating, but we need to understand that we have a license in a sense. We have a license to go and to do, that Jesus has called us and qualified us and invited us into participating in the things of the kingdom of God. And so for the next several weeks, what we're gonna be doing is we're gonna be kind of turning from this idea of coming to Jesus for our identity and to understand the activity that we're supposed to be about in our lives to actually taking that and moving it into motion and taking steps in our lives where we would actually go and do, where we would partner with the Spirit of God and the move of God around us, that we would be the light, that we would be the salt, that we would be the sent ones, that we would go and be the hands and feet of Jesus in the world around us. So if you've got your Bible, go ahead and get that out. Raise it up. If you've got a smartphone or a tablet, I want to encourage you to open up your Bible app. And we're going to be starting in the book of Matthew this morning if you like to get a head start. So Lord, we turn our attention to your word. And Lord, we ask that you would soften our hearts, that you would shape our hearts towards your word today. Lord, that we would have ears to hear and eyes to see the way that uh, Jesus would qualify those who are spiritually sensitive to the truths, that we would have ears to hear and eyes to see what your living word would speak to us today. And Lord, that we would have a courage and a raising faith that is spurred on by the power of your Holy Spirit to say yes to putting it into practice, to take active steps, to participate with you in the good things of your kingdom this week. In Jesus' name, amen. So with your Bibles out, your tablets open, go ahead and go to Matthew chapter 28. Matthew chapter 28 is one of these iconic scriptures that people often go to when they start talking about uh, living missionally. Um, it would be a passage that a lot of people would talk about specifically with regards to just kind of being at work in missions in the world, but primarily it's not just like a missionary type of a commissioning. It's a statement that Jesus makes about the activity and the purpose of his people in the world and that they are to be going out and living really with this type of mission in mind. And this is something that can be done here, there, and everywhere, which is what we're going to be unpacking in this series. But in this kind of iconic statement, the, the framework for this is this is at the end of Jesus' ministry. He's already died. He's already been raised from the dead. This is before he ascends uh, to the right hand of the Father. And this is in that in-between space as he is coming to, as he is continuing to encourage, and as he is showing himself and continuing to demonstrate the power of the kingdom of God with his disciples. And he gathers them together on this one occasion. And as Matthew closes out his gospel, this is kind of how he wraps the whole thing up, beginning with the birth of Jesus, death and resurrection, and now culminating with Jesus' ascension to heaven. This is how he kind of wraps up the whole of his narrative. And uh, Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 to 20, specifically is what we're going to focus on for the next few moments. Then Jesus came to them, and the them is his disciples. He has them gathered together. He comes to them, and he says, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age." Now we could take these two verses and set them aside and we could do a deep dive and do a whole sermon series just on those statements, just about the authority of Jesus and the authority that we have because of him. 
We could talk about what it looks like to, to make disciples, what it looks like to, uh, to, to preach the good news, what it looks like to walk people through a transformation or walk them through a baptism, what it looks like to live a life so certain that Jesus is with you that it directs and guides all of your steps. There's any number of ways that we could begin to develop theologically, doctrinally, and practically unpacking these words out. But we're going to stay really high and we're just going to land on this thought. This statement here is something that is often referred to as the Great Commission. It's a commissioning of Jesus, uh, of his disciples, to the activity that they're supposed to be about. In, sen- in a sense, there's a co-mission uh, coming on with this where they're not just doing this in their own strength or of their own accord, but they're going to be partnering with him, his authority, and the Spirit of God in doing so, and there's this perspective of they're now being sent out. They're being sent out. And he, it's a big, it's a big statement, right? It's a big homework project, right? Go and make disciples of what? All nations, right? That's everywhere. All people at all times and all places go and make disciples in those things. And I don't know if you've ever been on a group project before, but I don't know how the disciples looked around and were like weighing out who's going to do all the heavy lifting here. Right, because there's a few of them that had kind of at least overpromised or overcommitted at times. Peter seemed to always be getting an A plus or an F minus. There was no, you know, there was no C for trying for him. It was either all or nothing. Like they're getting this commission, they're being sent out, and it's them. And Jesus is like, and here's the goal. The goal is everywhere. All people would know and hear and come to faith. And I and I don't know if they could could grasp that type of a thought. But looking around the room at the group project, I'm, I'm not sure that they were so excited or enthusiastic about this. I'm not sure that they would have eyes to even see or to think about how that could be accomplished. It's, it's a big statement. And for you and I, when we look to superimpose that type of commissioning in our life, this idea of partnering with Jesus to be about big things that change the world, we have a tendency to even have a more difficult time at that because we would see kind of his disciples or we would see heroes in scripture as being kind of a, a, in a higher tier of possibility than the rest of us. Again, because we're aware of our shortcomings, we're aware of how much we need to grow, we're aware of how much we don't know, and we're intimidated in many ways by that thing. But Jesus is giving them this big, this big group project, and he's like, and I'm gonna come back sometime and check on your work. Right? So I don't know if you remember group projects when the teacher left the room and they were just going to come back at some other undisclosed time. It feels kind of like that as Jesus is wrapping everything up and he's ascending into heaven. And we're still waiting for him to come back and check on our work, but that means there's still time, right? Get to work, get to work. <laughs> so that's how Matthew wraps up his gospel. The, the, the gospel of Luke closes in a similar type of a thing. In fact, all of the gospel writers focus on some type of mission that the church is being sent on. But the gospel of Luke focuses more on waiting before they go. And the reason why is because Luke wrote both the gospel of Luke and he wrote the book of Acts. I don't know if you've, if you've known that, but it's like a two-volume set. It's the life and ministry and person of Jesus, and then it's all of that through the church in the second volume. And as he begins to build a bridge between what Jesus has done to what the church is supposed to do, in his chapter one, he focuses on the idea of how this is going to be kind of played out in the power of the Spirit. Acts chapter one, verses four and five, uh, it reads much the same way. On one occasion, Jesus was eating with his disciples and he gave them this command. 
Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about, for John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And so in the book of, uh, in, in the book of John, the Spirit of God is uh, kind of a, 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 a focused topic. John chapter 14, 15, and 16, Jesus goes into a lengthy discussion about the Holy Spirit and who he's going to be. Here, Luke makes sure that we are reminded that as much as being sent out is part of the Great Commission, waiting and doing it in the power of the Holy Spirit is equally important. And so he lays that out there. In verse 8 it says, And you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in, and now you've got kind of these concentric circles, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. And if you look at that geographically, it's the here, it's starting where you are, it's the there, it's what are those places around you, and then it goes to the everywhere. And so kind of that, that concentric circle is where we get kind of the language for the series, the here, there, and everywhere. And we're going to talk about how to live missionally in all of those places. But before we do that, we have to believe that we're even able to take those steps in our own lives. Because again, when I read Matthew 28 and I see the, the disciples being commissioned, I have a tendency to think that's great for them, but Ben is a little bit behind in his development. When I look at Acts chapter 1, and it's talking about going in the power and the move of the Holy Spirit here, there, and everywhere, it can feel like, yeah, that's great for them, but Ben is still maybe a little bit behind in his development. We see these two passages as like these culminating crescendos of, of mission, and now it's like, go, and there's like big fanfare, at least in our minds, we would think of that, and it's like, this is like the, the rally cry, and let's go! But what I want to suggest to you is that the pattern that you see here was always the pattern. See, this, this commissioning isn't somehow happening because now the disciples have it all together and now they can do something. They've spent three years with Jesus. They've seen some things. They've experienced some things. Hopefully they've learned some things and now they're going to go do some things. That's how often we read this and understand it. But the pattern of simply coming to Jesus and then going with what you have from him is over and over and over in Scripture. In John chapter 1, you can go there on your own if you would like, but in John chapter 1, uh, John shifts his attention to the first disciples, kind of beginning in, in verse 33, uh, 35, kind of right in there. Starts moving his attention to that. And the way that John records the calling of some of the first disciples is Jesus is kind of walking, and John the Baptist makes a comment about Jesus, in effect saying, hey, that's the guy everybody's looking for. And there's a follower of John the Baptist whose name is Andrew who goes and asks Jesus a question. He goes and seeks him out. In fact, he's got a friend with him. They were uh, disciples of John the Baptist before they were followers of Jesus. But at John's word and John's statement, they go and they go to investigate that. And Andrew and his friends spend the whole day with Jesus. And at the end of that, okay, at the end of that, G Andrew's had one day, right? He, he's not completely transformed in a sense. You don't see in his story that he was once this way and now he's this way. He's not a blind man and now he sees. He hasn't had like some kind of dramatic thing. He's just kind of trying to figure this out. But the first thing that he did after he came to Jesus and received a little bit of teaching and a little bit of relationship is recorded in verse 41 and it says this. The first thing Andrew did was find his brother 
Simon. This is Simon Peter. This is the Peter that we just referred to a little bit earlier. The first thing that Andrew did after coming to Jesus, out of being called out in a sense and coming and connecting with Jesus, is he turned around and he went to find his brother. And what he says to him is he says, we have found the Messiah. He makes kind of this, this statement of, of belief here, and Simon comes and interacts with Jesus. And as you reconcile this with the other Gospels, there's certainly more than one exchange between Jesus and these disciples as they're kind of deciding and determining whether or not they're going to follow him. But in this case here, Andrew goes and he just goes and he finds his brother. If you were to keep reading in verse 45, there's a man named Philip who does much the same thing, only instead of going and finding his brother, he goes and finds his friend Nathaniel. And there's this very interesting and important exchange between Jesus and Nathaniel. But Philip does the same thing. He found Nathaniel and he told him, we have found the one that Moses wrote about in the law and about who the prophets also wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Now, Andrew's statement was a little more emphatic. We found the Messiah. Philip's statement is a little bit more, hey, I'm still waiting to figure this out. But I think this looks like the one that we've kind of talked about in these types of of circles. And the reason why these things are important is because they, they were just learning. They didn't, they didn't really know. They had just had an encounter with Jesus and it was, enough of, uh, uh, it was enough of an encounter that now they're curious and they want to bring others into that. And I, I share that with you because the bar for sharing your faith is so low, you guys. It's so low. But most of us, we, we struggle under this, uh, this understanding that somehow if we don't know enough, right, if, if we aren't uh, apologetic enough, if we're not theological enough, if we're not doctrinal enough, that somehow we don't have anything to offer. Andrew had nothing to offer except for, hey, I just met this dude and I think this is the guy. Philip had even less than that. Hey, I met this dude and this might be you know, a guy that we kind of heard about, you should probably check it out for yourself, I don't even know. And what's interesting is Simon ends up what? He becomes a follower of Jesus. Nathaniel does what? Becomes a follower of Jesus. In John chapter four, Jesus has an encounter with a woman at the well. Some of you might be familiar with that story. She was an outcast, she had a past, and everybody knew about it. She has an exchange with Jesus that transforms her. She has an exchange where she meets really the, the love of God, the grace of God. And the first thing that she does in John chapter four, verse 28, is it says that she leaves her water jar. She came out to the well for water. She doesn't even finish her, her errand. She leaves it and she runs back into town and said to the people, just her community, who already kind of knew her and her reputation. She went back and she said, come and see. Come and see this guy. I think it might be who you're looking for. And I share that with you because the, the Great Commission, like it's a big task in a sense, right? It's a huge group project and the church gets it right and gets it wrong at different times in church history, it seems like. It, it, and it can feel like it's for other people that you don't have something to offer, that you don't have something to give, that you don't know enough, that you haven't experienced enough, that you're not articulate enough. There's so many reasons why we would disqualify 
ourselves, but the pattern, the pattern anybody can replicate. Encounter Jesus, tell somebody about that. Like you might be in the very beginning stages of your faith right now where your Jesus journey is this. Um, I went to church today and it was just different. It was just, it was different. I never really felt the presence of God in worship until that day. Or I didn't feel like I was in a place where I was safe or seen until that day. Or hey, I, that I was presented something and I felt like, I felt like maybe the Lord spoke to me and that's what, I mean, I'm, I didn't know that he could do that. Like you may still be like discovering and uncovering just like, man, I'm not really sure how to make sense of all of that. But you can share that peace with anybody else who's sensing and learning and discovering and coming along. And that pattern, that pattern of just meeting Jesus and then sharing about that encounter. Spending time in God's word and just sharing maybe that verse or that thought or this, man, I'm, I'm wrestling this out and I'm not really even sure how to make sense of it. The pattern though in scripture is just that, is that you encounter Jesus and then you go do something as a result of that. And that really at the, at the heart of following Jesus, that's what it looks like to live missionally to think and to consider about every area of your life being an opportunity to just take what you know or what you've learned or what you've experienced about who Jesus is and just kind of like put it out and say like, look at this. You know, are you, what about this? And it doesn't have to come with all of the, the accoutrements with that. If you and I get comfortable in doing kind of those those simple things. In that Acts chapter one, verse eight, Jesus said that they were gonna uh, go in the power of the Spirit of God and that it was gonna begin in the Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and Judea. It begins here, wherever you're here is. Wherever you're here is. Okay, so your here can be your home, your here can be your workplace, your here can be um, a, a place where, where you uh, are, um, uh, you can feel stuck. <laughs> Right, you're here could just be like, this is where I am for right now. Like, but wherever, wherever you are, that's your here. And if you can begin to take steps of seeing yourself as sent to that place and just begin to offer the little that you do have, one of the beautiful things that you see over and over and over in scripture and, and emphasized in the person and in the ministry of Jesus is he makes much out of little all the time. He makes so much out of so little all the time. In fact, one of the things that he taught his disciples when he was teaching them to pray and to pray with faith, is he said, if you have faith the size of a what, church? A mustard seed. He used that metaphor time and time again for, for them as far as planting in the garden. It was, the, it was the smallest of herb seeds and it became something that outpaced everything else that was planted. It was a beautiful metaphor of the way that God takes little and can do much. And he can do the same thing with you and I, with the little that you know, with the little that you've experienced, with the little that you understand, he can begin to make much, not just in the lives of others, but much in you as you begin to interact with him in that place. In Mark chapter six, 
verse 7 and then 12 and 13. We're going to look at that in just a moment as well because, again, the Matthew chapter 28, that's a big commissioning, right? It's like go and change the whole world. It's like, what, with these guys? Like, can I get a new group, right? That's how we can feel. Or maybe that's how people look at you and feel, right? Can we get a new group? But then in the Acts one, they're going in the power of the Holy Spirit, aren't they? Right? And when you read Acts 1 and Acts 2, like there's this demonstrative move of God and there's this, this sense that, man, if I haven't had that experience or if I don't know everything about that, then how can I move and I operate and, and how, can, how can I actually do any of this? And I just want to remind you that before they were baptized in the Holy Spirit, before that was something that they began to learn and develop and to know and began to kind of build an understanding of and kind of a daily walk with, they had already walked in the power and the authority of Jesus' name prior to that. In the book of Luke, on two different occasions, the disciples are brought together and Jesus gives them not the great commission, but kind of like a mini mission. And he pairs them up, and instead of sending them out as a group on a group project, they just get a buddy, right? Just get a buddy. And depending on how weighted this grade was going to be, you know which kid in class you were going to try to choose for your buddy, right? If it didn't matter, you were going to grab your friend, and it was going to be fun. And if it did matter, you were going to not grab your friend. You were going to grab somebody else. Or your friend was going to grab somebody else, and you're the one. But I'll just leave it at that. But he pairs them up, he gives them in twos, and then he sends them out. Luke records this being done with a group of 12 and a group of 70. Matthew and Mark, both of those gospels, record what happened with the group of 12. And in Mark chapter 6, it says, Calling the 12 to him, he began to send them out two by two. And, um, and uh, began to send them out two by two. And he gave them authority. Okay, sounds like the language that we hear in Matthew 28 over impure spirits, verse 12, they went out and they preached that people should repent and they drove out demons. They anointed the sick with oil and healed many of them. In the gospel of Luke, they come back, both the 12 and the 70, and they're like, hey, we went out and we did all this stuff. Like we did, we did what you said we could do. We did those things as well. And the reason why I share that with you is they were able to do that and to step into that even though they hadn't been fully baptized with the Holy Spirit or received that gift. They didn't have a full understanding or, or a way that they were walking in that intentionally in a daily infilling type of a thing. They just did it because Jesus said you could go do it. And I share that with you because the two things that usually cause us to hesitate about being sent by Jesus, especially to the here, right? It can be hard to be the one in your family who's trying to encourage people in their faith. It can be, it can be hard to be the one in your class or the one in your workplace who's trying to encourage people in a relationship with the Lord. It can be a challenge there. But in Mark chapter 6, they were going and doing all of the baptism in the Holy Spirit stuff, demonstrating the power of the kingdom of God before they even had a full understanding of what they were doing and before they had fully even received that gift. Because that's the pattern. Okay, the pattern in Scripture is that if you come to Jesus and then you go and walk in faith in the authority that he's given you, that's enough to start. Now, don't, don't miss it. You should grow. You should be learning. 
You should becoming more, uh, be becoming more biblically literate. You should be pressing into the presence of God. You should be learning how to pray. You should be learning how to grow. You should be learning in community and being uh, discipled. All of those things are important. But you don't have to finish that process to be useful for God today. You don't have to uh, fully understand all of those things to then be sent. You can be sent today. You can be sent tomorrow. Each and every day, wherever you are, to begin to share what you have received. And so I'm going to give you three ways to begin, three simple steps that you and I can begin to do in our lives just as we start to kind of move our way through this series. Where, where do we begin? Here. Right? Forget about there and everywhere. Right? Let's just start for you and I. Where do we begin? Here. Okay, so how do we do that? The first, the first one is this, is I would just encourage you to simply start where you are. Okay, start, start where you are. Sometimes we overthink these things. Start, start where you are. If you're in your home and there's people that are part of it, begin to encourage them. Begin to share your faith. Begin to share your questions and your struggles too. It's in community that we resolve a lot of those things. In fact, theology is uh, more often developed in a community of followers. But just, just start where you are and start with who you know. Start with who you know. I love that Andrew just went and got Peter because he's like, well, I know my brother and I can find him. Philip started with Nathaniel. The woman at the well just went back into her community. It's just, I'm already here and I'm already with these people and I can do something and take a step into that place. Simply start where you are. Uh, if you'll begin to do that, you'll start to see yourself as sent and you'll begin to imagine with the Spirit of God greater opportunities to be used by Him and the possibilities of partnering with Him in the things of His kingdom. Number two is just tell what you know. Just tell what you know. And you may be the first one to shoot your hand up and say, but pastor, I don't know very much. Okay. Tell what you know. Tell what you know. You, what you know may, be, may, may not even be correct yet. But in beginning to share those conversations and journey with together, you can discover the things that are true. Maybe what you know is that when you come to church, it just feels different than other places that you've been. Maybe you're not a Christ follower. Maybe you're not somebody who is quote unquote saved. Maybe you haven't made that decision, but you know that when you're at church, you feel different than any other place you've ever been. Just share that and begin to, begin to think about that. You know, maybe there's something that you've learned about prayer. Or there's a verse that has been something that now all of a sudden makes sense in your life. There's an experience that you've had that you're not really sure how to articulate, but, but you know how you felt or, or what that looked like. You just begin to share what you know. Andrew said, I think this is the Christ. Philip said, I think this guy might be somebody Moses talked about one time. And the woman at the well said, hey, come and meet the guy who knew all my secrets. Like, I don't know. I mean, it's just what they knew. And God can take what you know and that you're willing to share, and he can begin to use that in somebody else's life. But the third thing is start where you are, tell what you know. But the third one is this, is ask for the power of the Holy Spirit. Just, just ask for that. There's a lot of different ideas and a lot of different ways that people try to frame out 
uh, understanding those things and digging deeper. And um, there, there's a lot of value in those. But we can sometimes over or over um, complicate what it looks like to just walk in the power of the Holy Spirit. My favorite verse in all of Scripture about the Holy Spirit is in Luke chapter 11, verse 13, when Jesus is teaching his disciples to pray. And he gives this example of what it looks like to go to God, and he contrasts it with what it looks like to ask your dad for something. And he basically says, hey, if you ask your dad to make you a sandwich, he's not going to give you a bowl of bugs. I mean, that's kind of a, a loose translation of it. Some of you are like, you don't know my dad, and that's true, I don't. But in general, that's true. And Jesus is using that as a colloquial statement. And then he says this. If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? I think this is the most significant statement about the Holy Spirit in all of Scripture. Because what Jesus is informing us with is this. That if you ask the Father for more of the Spirit, He says yes to that. It, it's a very simple statement. And so when it comes to being sent, you may not have a dramatic experience with the Holy Spirit yet, but you can ask for the Holy Spirit to be at work in your life. You may have not developed a sensitivity in your ear and your heart to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit or to respond to it, but you can begin to ask your Heavenly Father for that. And He very simply says yes to that offering. And so if you and I will begin there, if we'll begin just right where we are, sharing what we know and inviting the Holy Spirit to be a part of that process, that's all it takes to begin to be sent. And you and I can begin to do that today. As we close this morning, I'm going to invite the Thailand missions team, if you guys would come forward. Um, and Janae, if you would come forward. And worship team, if you guys would go ahead and come forward. We're just going to have everybody come forward at once. How's that? Instead of staging it all out. And as this team comes to the stage, I need you guys, you guys have to smile. Get rid of your blank stares, right? You can sleep while I'm preaching, but not while we have got company up front. Um, but I want you to smile. And let's just, actually, let's applaud them because this is, this is a big deal. This is Malachi and Jacob and Andrew and David, and we have not had a team back to Thailand on the ground for three years, so we are so excited um, to kind of get past all of the, the world's disruption and get back to, to be in the hands and feet of Jesus in a very practical way there. We're going to be connecting with all of our missionary uh, friends there, um, and we're going to be connecting with some of our sister churches, a Bible college, and a number of different things. And as we go... I would, um, uh, I would pray for us what, what I think that I would pray for you. Okay, we're getting ready. We leave tomorrow, and we're going to head to the more of the everywhere type of a thing. But tomorrow, you guys will all get up, and you'll go wherever your here is. And in either context, there's a need for us. There's a need for us to share what we know and to invite the Holy Spirit to be a part of that. Um, so we're going to have Janae uh, pray over the team.
Um, and then I'm going to pray over our congregation as well. Janae is stepping into a new role in our church family as what we're calling our missions mobilizer. She, it's going to be her task to connect with our Thailand missionaries uh, and bring kind of a monthly report to what's going on. She's going to be part of helping shape teams in the future as well. And so this is one of her first assignments is to pray over this team and to send us out. Next week she'll be sharing a little bit of the things that are going on. But even as this group is being sent, you and I are also being sent to wherever our here is so that we would um, be used by the Lord for his, uh, for his kingdom. So if you would pray for us, I'll pray for our, our church when we're finished. Perfect. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for this team. We thank you for their faithfulness to say yes to what you have called them to, Lord. We just speak boldness into their lives, Lord, that they would have boldness to be able to um, talk to whoever is in front of them and tell their testimony and what you um, have put in their hearts, Lord. Holy Spirit, we just want more of you. We want to see more of you on this trip, Lord. And um, we just pray for favor and um, protection over the whole trip, Lord. We thank you for them and we praise your holy name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. And for our church family, Lord, we pray that for everywhere that we go this week, that we would find that to be our here. Lord, that, that that would be the place that we are rooted, where we are attentive. Lord, that we would find ourselves where we are and with who we are around um, to be there intentionally. Lord, that there would be something of a willingness for us to just share what we know. Lord, I'm cognizant that there's a lot that maybe we don't, but that we can share what we know. And Lord, we would invite your spirit to be a part of that. Lord, uh, give us a hunger for your spirit to be at work in us so that we can partner with you at your work in the world in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Church family, if you guys would stand. We've got three action steps for you this week. Just want to encourage you with these. You can snap a picture of these or you can catch them online a little bit later. But the first one is please be praying for our Thailand missions team. We'll give you an update next week, but we would uh, really uh, appreciate your prayers for the team. Number two, begin to consider your life as a mission. And that might be a scary thought right now, but see yourself as invited by Jesus to be a part of what he would do in the lives of others. And as a result of that, begin to start just right where you are with who you know. Start right where you are with who you know, being willing to share what you know and invite the Spirit of God to be part of that.